we have a rare opportunity to sit with a gentleman called Piff the Magic Dragon and talk about him, his life, and I want to talk about Mr. Piffles as well, and his show at the Flamingo here in Las Vegas. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Good. Now, unfortunately, yes. I have to start with an apology. Okay. Mr. Piffles could not be here. Oh, no. He is a celebrity, okay. and we just have to deal with that, okay? It's their world, and we live in it. When I saw your show about a week or so ago, I noticed that he's kind of above it all. He, and, and, and the other thing, he knows it. That's the other thing. Not only is he above it all, but he knows it, and he acts like it. And honestly, I, I'm tired of being treated like an employee, like his handmaiden. It's about time that um, I got some recognition too, because I, I literally carry that dog. You understand? <laughs> yes, you do. Without me, he, I mean, he'd be fine. But the, okay, maybe I should, you're right. I'm just going to, okay, forget it. Mr. Piffles, if you're listening, all is forgiven. Just come back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't help but notice that he seems unaffected by all of it. Yeah, he sleeps through life, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we did a show, and here's a, let me tell you how I got Piffles. Piffles is a rescue dog. Uh -huh. So I was doing my very first hour-long show in Edinburgh. There's, an, there's a, a, a fringe festival, the Edinburgh Festival. It's in August in the UK, and it's like a trade show for comedians. Mm -hmm. It's where you go up, you do your show, and maybe you get spotted, and that's how you get work. So the first year I go up, you have to do an hour. I had maybe 40 minutes of material. And I was like, I need something else in the show. The girl who was running the venue, she had a chihuahua. And I said, hey, can I put your chihuahua in my show? And we did, and it killed. <laughs> so I was like, i got to get me a chihuahua. And so she went out and she found this rescue dog. And he was a wreck. He was like, uh, you know, his hair was all matted. His eyes were covered in this brown gunk. Mm -hmm. His teeth were rotting. He'd been like kicked around by kids. So every time a kid would go near him, he'd growl and things. And uh, for three months, I was just dragging this, you know, drowned rat of a dog around London. Going, what have I done? <laughs> but slowly he got better because I could, took him to the vets and mm -hmm. I, um, you know, got him groomed and I put him on some good food. And after three months, he started looking like a prince. And he <laughs> developed this comedy timing and this attitude on the stage, yes. this deadpan, you know, where he would be completely indifferent to whatever was happening to the point where he would fall asleep on stage. And at one point in my career, I opened for Mumford and Sons, the band. Yeah. So I was on stage in front of 20,000 people, you know, doing my act. And I would go to my, my case where he had a little bed and he'd right. sleep in my case. He'd be snoring. <laughs> I put the microphone in the case. He'd be snoring in front of 20,000 people. That's great. What a gift. <laughs> that is a gift. That actually steals any show. He's basically like a, a furry paperweight. <laughs> So now, tell me about your start. You're you're from the United Kingdom. Yes. Yeah. I grew up in I grew up in Southeast London. Okay. And uh, what did you start? How did you get into what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, it's like looking uh, looking backwards. I can tell you. Okay. Looking forwards, I was like, it was all just like chance and luck and mm -hmm. stupidity. So I hated magic when I was growing up. In the UK, we had a couple of magicians I didn't like. Mm -hmm. They were like, um, it was a bit, they were like, oh, we're much cleverer than you and you're an idiot and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so I didn't like it. But when I was 15, they, they showed a program 
Uh, it was called Stuff the White Rabbit. And it was these close-up magicians from all over the world, mm-hmm. a lot of them American. David Williamson was on it, mm-hmm. who's a great magician. Um, Matt King, I think, was on, on, on one of the episodes. And they were doing these card tricks. And I was like, oh, I, I quite like these card tricks. So I'd watch the show, learn how to do these tricks, and then I would do it to my friends. So I really like close-up magic. Mm-hmm. So then... Uh, and you know, I went to university, and I, I was like, I was like getting what I thought was a backup career, in case the magic didn't work and out. And what backup career was that? It was computer science. Okay, but I was dreadful at it, so it was no backup. <laughs> it was just me not being good at something. So, um, I, 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 I sort of really learned close to magic when I was at university. I would work in bars and restaurants doing card tricks for mm-hmm. the people there for tips or for a little bit of cash, and that's how I paid my way through college. And then when I finished university, I went, I'm going to do this full time. And as soon as I started doing it full time, I realized that magic is not really like show business. You know, it's like there are these allies, you know, you have show business and then you have these things on the fringes, mm-hmm. you know, like juggling or, right. or magic or clowning or whatever. And um, magic was one of those things because it was, it was basically the catering industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd work bar mitzvahs, you'd work these like corporate dinners, birthday parties, meet and greet events, and your job was to mix and mingle and entertain people in between the courses or mm-hmm. in between the, the speeches. So you were interrupting people for a living, you know. And and, and one, once, um, I I was in a very small restaurant in in Croydon, which is already a bad place to be, and I walked up to a table of two, and um. I said, hello, um, I'm the magician. Would you like to see a card trick? And the guy scraped his chair back across his tile, tile floor. The whole restaurant stopped, looked at us. This guy stood up and he said, my wife has just asked me for a divorce. Do you really think I want to see some effing magic? He didn't say effing. Right. He didn't feel the need to censor himself. Right. I feel like I'm on a very nice yes. you know, uh, platform here, so I will. But he did not. And uh, and I said, no. No, you don't, do you? Because she just made half your house disappear. <laughs> and he didn't take that well. And that's what I found was that I was doing, you know, I was like doing magic and I was like doing jokes to people. And I was, you know, we call it splitting the room, which is where mm-hmm. half people like it, half people hate it. Now, if you're on stage and you've got 100 people, 50 people laughing is a lot of people. Yes. You know sounds like you're doing well if you're doing a table and there's four people two of them don't laugh that's a problem so i got fired from everywhere that i was working and i became unemployable i was down to my last one or two gigs i was didn't have enough money and i was like i gotta get out of here and i went to a party around this time it was a costume party and my i said to my sister i don't have a costume to wear she said, I have a dragon outfit under my bed. Under and her I, bed? Under her bed. <laughs> now, I asked no further questions. And neither should you. Okay. Because it's my sister. Okay. Let's let that mystery stay buried. <laughs> so I say, great. I'll wear the dragon outfit. I cross London in a dragon outfit on public transport. I didn't drive. So I'm on the buses, I'm on the trains, I'm on the tubes across mm-hmm. London in a dragon outfit. I arrive at the party. No one else is in costume. That's funny. Just me. <laughs> I, I go to my friend. I said, what did you do to me? She said, well, 
you know, we just thought it was a bit immature. <laughs> I said, I'm in a dragon now. I'm like, yeah, really? You think? So now, for once, I'm appropriately grumpy, you know, because <laughs> usually inside I would feel happy. It's just my face would read grumpy. Right. I did a wedding once and this guy was like, what is your problem? And I was like, nothing. I'm in a good mood. He was like, you look like the Eeyore of magic. <laughs> and then he fired me because he was the groom. Okay. So at this party, for once, I've got an excuse to be grumpy. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking red wine in the corner. My, my other friend comes up to me. She says, uh, this is funny. She says, you should do this in your act. You could be Piff the Magic Dragon. Mm-hmm. I said, wait, I could be Puff the Magic Dragon. You might have heard of my older brother, Steve. And I was like, that's not a bad joke. So... <laughs> You know, a couple of months goes by, I'm losing all my work, and I'm like, I wonder whether that thing would work. So I, I try it at an open mic night. Kills. Mm-hmm. Now with comedy, and I'd done a bit of comedy before. Comedy, it takes you like a year, two years to even like mm-hmm. become bad. Because you're learning how to be in front of an audience, how to talk, all of that stuff. But I'd learned all that by doing magic. You know? Mm-hmm. And I also had material. Because I had like routines. So I'd done the hard part, part of this. And now I just found the, the icing on the cake, the framing that made it all work. So it was very quick after that. In the next year, it sort of like shot up. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I go to Edinburgh and I do this gig, you know, where I, I, I'm like, I need Mr. Piffles and I need a dog. So I, I, I got Mr. Piffles and he was like the missing piece of the puzzle. Right. You know, because he was like, I, I was this grumpy dragon, you know, and I've got this like adorable chihuahua. So that, that brings me to neutral. <laughs> so as soon as the two of us teamed up, everything sort of came together and we, 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 started, we started going places. That was great. When I saw your show, I couldn't help but notice that the grumpy thing was really great and very creative. Right. You don't just walk out and do tricks and tell jokes. Right. You're very creative about what you do and... The night I was there, you caught a guy almost ringside that was totally deadpan. Right. And shine the light on him with the flashlight. It was great. What I love about being in Vegas and also about my job, but specifically Vegas, is I get to do what some people think is the same thing every night. But (laughs) it's not because Mm -hmm. I use, you know, in Vegas here, I use, I think, six or seven people. On the road, we have a very different tour show. I use 17 people in that show. Mm -hmm. So I'm interacting with 17 personalities. And each one of them is going to give me, you know, either trouble. They're going to be, you know, a locks. Or they're going to be great to work with. You know, so I've got three different uh, scenarios. So it's like, I always want people to come and see the show and feel like, hey, I was at the night when this happened. Mm -hmm. You know, so each show feels unique and like, like um, special. And, and the other thing that really impressed me was you got together with a couple during the show. Right. And you ended up getting her ring. Right. And at the end of the show, you put them back together. Yeah. With the ring. Right. And I mean, along the way, this and you took the guy's $100 bill. Yeah. Well, you and know, he's got this look like, I'm going to kill this guy. Vegas is a loss leader. Yeah. You know, that's the only, <laughs> I work for tips. Um. It doesn't happen in magic much. It happens in comedy all the time. Mm-hmm. In comedy, you know, people can be, you can be angry, you can be a sad comic, you can be deadpan, you can be happy, you can be all the human emotions. In magic, for some reason, it seems like you can be David Copperfield, 
mm-hmm. you know, or um, or like a kind of comic magician who's like, hey, you know, Jerry Seinfeld has a line about comedians. It's like, here's a quarter, now it's gone, you're an idiot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that. there's that. So I always wanted to see if I could do something else with it and, and, and be like a real, it's funny, by putting on a dragon outfit, I could be more myself and more human mm-hmm. than I would be without it because I can never punch down. Yeah, there was a guy that used to showcase around Las Vegas in little bars and lounges. His name was something like Morty the Magician. Yeah. But he wore like a Dracula costume and none of his tricks worked. Right. That was the act. Right. And it was actually very funny. Yeah. And and we've had people like that through the years. And then, of course, we get, to me, one of the most clever things is Penn and Teller. Well, they're the the goats. You know, they are... um, you know, if you look back through magical history, I don't think that there's been anyone like them because they're so original. Mm-hmm. They're still working at the same pace that they were working at the beginning, and they've been doing it for, I don't know, 45 years. Yeah. And they're still coming up with game-changing magic. Mm-hmm. They're coming up with new methods, which in magic, you know, it's like it's like being a, a, a carpenter and inventing a new tool. Mm-hmm. You know, or yeah. being a musician and inventing a new instrument. They're That's still it. doing that. Yeah, I had the pleasure of touring for a couple of years with Harry Blackstone Jr. Yeah. And we would do did corporate. You do the, did you do the Super Bowl show? No, I didn't. Woof. I missed that one. That was a tough gig. Yeah. But I did, I was able to do one with him where we did a corporate event for IBM. Yeah. And the big trick was to turn a tiger into an IBM mainframe. Right. And. I actually saw how some of it worked. Yeah. So we had a ceremony backstage where Harry swore me to secrecy. Right. Yeah. You know? But how did it work? No, thank you. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is like, you know, the other, the other thing about about me is I don't want to be around a tiger. Right. You know? It's a tiger. <laughs> it's like I saw um, a Vegas magician on Letterman and, you know, he produced a tiger. And he was definitely being dragged around stage by that tiger. Mm-hmm. You know, the, he was not leading the tiger around the stage. The tiger <laughs> was leading him around the stage. And it was so obvious, Letterman could see it too and was rapidly uh, introducing the commercial break <laughs> so he could get to safety. I knew someone for a long time that's moved back to California that was an animal handler. Oh, yeah. And he refused to work with tigers. He said, because you're working with a 600-pound cat. Right. They have the mind of a cat. Right. They do whatever they want to do. Yeah. I went to the vets once with Piffles. And, you know, <laughs> Piffles is four and a half pounds. Yeah. Um, I rarely put a collar on him. I rarely walk him by a mm-hmm. lead. So I'm walking, he's in my arms. The vet leaps out of his chair, backs himself against the wall. He's like, whoa, you got to get a collar on that thing. Really? I'm like, are this? The guy's like, yeah, he's a wolf. Don't let him fool you. Like he may he may look like a chihuahua, but inside he's a wolf. They're all wolves. Let me tell you the worst bite I ever got. It was from a chihuahua. I've still got the scars. And I was like, yeesh. So I guess, you know, all tigers are cats, all dogs are wolves. Actually he's proud that vet probably never saw Piffles on stage. No, you're right. And honestly, <laughs> Piffles off stage is a different matter. Which is which is really funny. Like we, we went to see um Earlier on, when I early on when I was in Vegas, we we met Shania Twain, uh-huh. 
and she was she came she came to see the original show I was in, which is called um, uh, which is called Vegas Nocturne and Rose Rabbit Lie. Mm-hmm. And in it, I shot Piffles out of a cannon, and I did this whole routine with him being a, a bullet. It was like a bullet catch, right? Where he was the bullet, and uh, she loved it. And she came in afterwards and, and met Piffles and I. Was very nice and invited us to see her show. So we said, "I'd love to." And she has a security guy who arranges everything. Mm-hmm. So he rang me up. He's like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to set up here, do this, do that. Right. And, I, and I said, um, oh, and he, he said first, and, and bring piffles. And I was like, bring piffles? He was like, bring piffles. And I said, what, you want me in a dragon outfit too? You know, joking. Yeah. He goes, let me check. <laughs> I'm like, no, wait, don't check. He comes back, yeah, she wants you in the dragon outfit. So we're sitting in the Coliseum. Me in my dragon outfit with Mr. Pivels in his dragon outfit too. I'm like, oh God. And in the middle of the show, Shania goes, by the way, I have a very special guest in this evening. And I'm like, oh, who's here? Which, who, who's here tonight? She said, please welcome up onto the stage, Piff the Magic Dragon. So we come up and we do a campfire sing-along with Shania Twain, uh-huh. me and Piffles, okay? She loves Piffles. And I'm like, this is great. What a great moment in my life. Then I go back to my seat. Shania Twain brings out a horse on the stage. Piffles loses it. <laughs> loses it. He's like barking. You know, he's going, I can't like, you know, like trying to like catch him. He's like trying to like savage this chihuahua, this horse, which is on stage. I have to remove myself from the room with Mr. Pibbles. Now that's not a guy leaving the show. That's a guy in a dragon outfit <laughs> a dragon taking outfit. a barking dog out of Shania Twain's show. I don't think she ever forgave me. <laughs> so speaking of shows, tell them about how you got on to AGT and the first time sure. we saw you. So like I said, I moved to Vegas in 2013 to be a small part of Vegas Nocturne. Mm-hmm. I signed a 10-year contract, moved my life here, and started to love Las Vegas. You know, really love it. I thought maybe I'll like it, but I really loved it. You know, like I said, I got adopted by Penn and Teller and they became buddies of mine. And... Everyone in the magic community, Lance Burton, David Copperfield, Matt King, all of these great guys, sort of like Matt King brought me over for Thanksgiving. I'm like, I love being in Vegas. My show then closed after seven months. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. No one knows who I am. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm in America and all I can do now is middle spots at comedy clubs for a hundred bucks a show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is a problem. So I was talking to my friend about this. I, I went for a year without work. Wow. Yeah, and I was speaking to my friend, and she said, and I said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she says, well, well what, what needs to happen? And I said, well, in the next three months, I need to become incredibly successful, become known nationally, and uh, get my own show in Las Vegas. And she said to me, that doesn't sound very likely. <laughs> and I said, I agree. But you know what happened? Hmm. I went on America's Got Talent. Yeah. I got given the golden buzz by Neil Patrick Harris. I got all the way to the finals. I thought it would be hilarious to shoot Mr. Pivots out of a cannon <laughs> and lose because Terry Fater had a billboard in Vegas that said, Terry Fater, the winner of America's right. Got Talent. And I thought it would be hilarious to say, Piff the Magic Dragon, the loser of America's Got Talent. And, you know, by the time you get to the finals, you've got the maximum exposure. Oh, sure. So I had become nationally known mm-hmm. when I shot Mr. Pivots cannon. And the very next day, I got a show at the Flamingo. Uh, Monday through Wednesday mm-hmm. because I was touring you know we like got all these touring 
offers. Touring Thursday through Sunday. And so a month later, this billboard went up. Piff the Magic Dragon, the loser of America's Got Talent. And we've been at the Flamingo now for seven years. We spent five years in the... When I started, it was called Bugsy's Cabaret. Mm-hmm. Then they renamed it the Piff the Magic Dragon Theatre. Cool. Then the pandemic hit. We were down for six months. But I was like, when we open, we're going to have to open socially distanced. Mm-hmm. So we made a brand new show um, to go in the big showroom on the off chance that they wanted us to do that. And luckily, in October, October 1, I think, they called us and said, okay, we want you to restart at the end of October. So we restarted in the big room this time. And, you know, to 50 people, mm-hmm. 6% capacity. <laughs> so we were allowed. You know, we had to do 10 shows a week just to sure. break even, just to make no money. But we did it. And suddenly, you know, so, or not suddenly, slowly, the city came back. And by June, July 2021, we were selling out in that room. Mm-hmm. And we've been in there ever since. So um, we, we just celebrated our seventh year at the Fluengo. And... Piffles' birthday, and, and when we started the show about the same time, so Piffles also just turned 15. Wow. Yeah. So he's doing pretty good. Halfway there. Piffles have any children? No. <laughs> he doesn't have the equipment anymore either. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned Terry Fader. I had the pleasure of interviewing Terry. Oh, he's a great ten, guy. About 10 years yeah, ago. I, I like Terry a lot. And I asked him about his journey. Yeah. And he said, well, I'm a 26-year overnight success. Right. He said, I worked for this. Right. And the funny part about him is that he won the contest. They had to get him a show, but they didn't know how. They never worked with a ventriloquist. Right. So they actually, they released him from his deal. Right. And he had already been hired by Steve Wynn. Yeah. To do the Mirage. That's the crazy thing in the in this, you know, it's like, it's like talent. It, Terry Terry is actually one of the most talented yes. people I've ever seen. You know, but talent's not enough. You know, you have talent mm-hmm. and then you have skill and then you have craft, you know, and Terry's got all, all of them. But um, often often people have talent, but they don't know what to do with it. The oddest thing about my interview with Terry yeah. was that he's so good at what he does that I caught myself talking to the frog yeah, and not know. him. I, it's so weird, isn't it, with yeah, ventriloquists? It's very weird. But, you know, for me, I don't have much talent, but I do have um, a lot of <laughs> determination and graft. And I, and Penn would Penn would be fine with me saying this. Penn is also the same. It's like we want to be in show business, mm-hmm. so we're going to do whatever we can with whatever we have to get there. And um, and that's how I feel. I I you know I came up in the UK for many years, and I went you know came to Vegas and worked mm-hmm. I worked hard here. And like I say in in 2015 when I went on the show, I did I had nothing. There, yeah. There, that, you know I did not have like all of my backup plans and. And um, Plan B's, they'd all failed. So it was like, hey, it's like this will go broke. And luckily it, it hit. So. Well, hopefully you won't need a Plan B ever. I, I hope so. And, you know, I, I really have to be honest with you. I've been in Las Vegas now for 47 years. And I worked for 40 years as a musician on the strip in the showrooms. So I've kind of seen everything. And I haven't enjoyed a show the way I enjoyed yours oh, in a long, long time. Oh, that's very kind Because of, you. of the creativity, the craft, everything you talked about is in your show. You know, people, we, you know, I hear this, one thing I hear a lot is people say, I hate magic, but I like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of how I feel about magic. You know, I really don't like 99% of magic. I like Penn and Teller. David Copperfield has got like the best tricks in magic. Matt King, you know, Lance Burton used to be, 
you know, it doesn't ever mm-hmm. show anymore. So, um, but uh, Lance Burton was great. But you know, that's four people. Mm-hmm. In it's like me saying I like four singers out of all the singers in the world. Yeah, you know, that would mean I don't like music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, it's very nice to hear that. I appreciate that. Yeah, Lance did everything in groups of thirteen. Right. He did thirteen years. Right. Had thirteen illusions. Thirteen people on stage. That wow. was his lucky number. Wow. Yeah. I had a chance to work with him musically for a little while. Now he lives in a farm in Kentucky. Yeah. Well, he's very much a Southern gentleman. That's right. his thing. Now, he's the reason I met Jade. Really? Yeah. He asked me to do a gig, you know, again, like when I was super broke. And, you know, I was like, does it pay anything? Right. And he said, well, it's not much. And I was like, I'll take it. And uh, I was the male, you know, like guest star because it was like mm-hmm. they had a cast. And Jade was the female guest star. And, um, you know, I I, I, I I was talking to her before the show and and I must have been um, funny and a little bit charming because when I went on stage, <laughs> I bombed. <laughs> so it definitely wasn't the act. Right. The act did not win her over. <laughs> and then I uh, harassed her until she went out for dinner with me. Good for you. And we were together ever since. That's uh, been coming up nine years. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. She has a lot of energy. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, like, we've evolved. The show has changed so much over the years. Now, I think it's kind of like the last three or four years, it's reached its maturity. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we both, like, evolved our characters, you know, since AGT. I don't know. We must have done, like, 5,000 shows or something yeah. stupid. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you, you do it. You really hone it. And I've refined what I do a lot. And she's found this great, great character. Mm-hmm. She's this kind of over-the-top super excited so happy to be here which is a great contrast to me and especially to the dog who is um you know um uh, absent in his um in his consciousness yeah the only thing he didn't do in the show when i saw you was he didn't yawn no he didn't yawn sometimes he does there's a little bit when i try and get him to do a card trick yeah try and get him to like high five a card and sometimes he yawns at me which is perfect <laughs> it is it's perfect i mean animals are fun yeah and I'm really glad you're able to come in. Your show is at the Flamingo. What nights? Uh, the moment is Thursday through Monday, but we change that schedule mm-hmm. through the year. So we do we do five nights a week. How about a website? Uh, PiffTheMagicDragon.com. That's simple. Just Google Piff the Magic Dragon. That's true. When I started, right, there was a very famous magician called Billy McComb, and he said to me, let me see your business card you know give me your business card and I didn't have one and he chewed me out he chewed me out for half an hour you in this industry it's all about being able to be contacted being able to you know like Bill gotta get hold of you you gotta have your you know you gotta be ready for the gig at all times and I was like I don't wanna have a business card I was like you know what Billy I wanna get it so that you don't need a business card to find me you know you just see me once and you can find me and at that time I was didn't have any of this stuff and looking back years later mm-hmm. now i don't have a business card i just say piff the magic dragon google it sure exactly yeah. i worked with a comedian who's now passed away years ago one of the jokes in his act was you're in las vegas and it says dean frank sammy you know exactly who it is he said i want to be so famous that they put up a blank sign and everybody knows i'm there yeah exactly That's he said until that happens i'm changing my name to free buffet but i want to thank you for coming in it's very kind of you to spend some time so much time with us i'm glad we could do this 
And uh, I plan on seeing your show again. I love it. Me too. Because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you watch videos of the show? Not very often because, um, honestly, I spend so much time looking at my stupid face. <laughs> you know, like you have to, like, you're always, like, working on the next thing. So there's always marketing. Right. And, you know, I mean, I always remember Penn telling me this great story. A woman came up to him once and said, uh, are you surprised that you're, you're on the side of the uh, a Las Vegas hotel? you know, in, in whatever it is, a hundred foot tall, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And Pam was like, no, because I was at the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, and it's like, it's like, yeah, I've seen enough of myself for a while. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you again for being here. Thanks very much for having me. And I want to thank all of you for listening. And I want you to always listen to 91.5 Jazz and More and keep listening and get out and see Piff the Magic Dragon at the Flamingo. What time is the show? 7 p.m. All right. Get there early so you get in. And this is Nashon, and you know me from the morning groove at 91.5 Jazz and More. Thank you.